in her book on the rocks memoir of a high functioning alcoholic tando pato shares her journey with alcohol and choosing sobriety she's our guest on the podcast my name is nangebo vukile mckenzie ngiyakwamkela welcome Today in the podcast we are speaking with Tando Pato. She's written a book on the rocks, memoir of a high functioning alcoholic Tando. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Tando, the the book title, Memoir of a High Functioning Alcoholic. What is a high functioning alcoholic? Well, um It's a term that I learned in uh, 2017 uh, when I'd taken a sabbatical from drinking and I was in therapy, and my uh, therapist wanted to, you know, to discuss why I'd taken a sabbatical from drinking, and um, I spoke about my drinking and my anxiety and my other mental health issues, and one of the things she connected was that. Um, I was drinking because I was so anxious. Um and that because I struggled with labeling myself an alcoholic because in my mind an alcoholic, you know, their life is a mess, things are falling apart. You know, I didn't see myself as that. And she explained to me that alcoholism is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um and different people fit on different you know parts of the spectrum and i was on the high functioning alcoholic spectrum so in other words i my life still continued i still functioned i still did what was required of me daily and stuff but i was an alcoholic you know um i think we 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 tend to think that you know alcoholics are those uncles sitting on the side of the road who who drink courts and a drunk all day but you know it it's this 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 spectrums and nuances to alcoholism and and you have to look at it in in total and and not just at a stereotype you know uh, in in my mind obviously we hear about these things and people share their experiences as you are sharing your experience in this book but i i don't know if it's just what one has seen um or i i don't know what what it is that when you think alcoholic you think somebody who can't go to work who's disheveled and dirty who's being wheeled home in a wheelbarrow or is being carried home or that kind of thing and it's it, it takes some time to mentally reconcile that alcoholic doesn't mean necessarily all the time somebody who has lost everything and is living from bottle to bottle yeah absolutely um and i had to it was one of the things i had to reconcile on my journey between 2017 and 2020 when i got sober is 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 the definition of alcoholic and i mean some people don't want to label themselves which is is fine you know you can just say i have a toxic relationship with alcohol but at the end of the day it's you're struggling with alcohol and and as i said before alcoholism is a spectrum you know um just like depression is a spectrum not everybody is going to uh, present the same signs or you know be on feel the same things but it doesn't mean that they are not depressed and it's the same thing with alcohol so in the book you say 
you started drinking at 17 and working as a waitress you'd found ways to get drunk and not show that you're getting drunk how were you even exposed to alcohol i served i i had my first hard drink at 17 i hadn't drunk before that um and um it was a case of I lived in Grahamstown I went to a private school and on weekends would go to Rhodes University with some of my friends and um, this one night we went to out with some Rhodes students and um, she gave me a, she ordered a, a double seven comfort in lemonade and that was the first time I got drunk but I didn't drink again in that time until varsity mm-hmm. where it became more regular you know i went to uct you know weekends we went out drinking sometimes during the week and it was social do you know and when i finished uct then i became i, I worked as a waitress for a year um and part of that was also you know after work meeting for drinks uh, or having drinks in the restaurant, um, learning about wine, the the finer things about it, and so it was a progression. And it 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 for for a long time it was just something social. And I think um, then I began, uh, well, say. 2011, 2012 to drink by myself more frequently and I could drink a bottle a bottle and a half uh, by myself quite comfortably and 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 uh, I think that's when Liz sort of told me that my therapist told me you have a problem and it from but I didn't I didn't take her seriously and so I continued and it was only in 2016 where I felt okay things are getting out of control um my that year just felt like one long blur of 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 drinking um and that's when I decided in 2017 to take a break from drinking and then I discovered that I was a high functioning alcoholic I suffered from depression and anxiety so the depression and anxiety, the, the correlation between that and the drinking, were you suffering from depression and anxiety and therefore you drank? Obviously not knowing this, you discovered this after. Was that the relationship or was the relationship that when you were not drinking, then the depression and anxiety set in? No, the relationship is that I have anxiety okay. and as a way of managing it, okay. um, I, I drank. Mm-hmm. And 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 so the depression, the depression came in when the anxiety would hit peaks. Okay. Uh, you you talk about um, how you really really felt it. This is how I understood it in the book. How you felt the anxiety when you didn't have the security blanket of your dad being around when he moved to to Namibia. Is that the point at which it became? clear for you that when you didn't have something to fall back on in the form of family, I mean you talk in the book about how you are a daddy's girl and how you are really rooted in your familial relationships and when that isn't around you sort of okay, um, where do I go, what do I do is that... Not really I think I've been drinking regardless of that, I think why I mentioned that in the book was to sort of put into context 
when I think back about 2016 and I try to trace why that year was so pivotal and mm -hmm. why I felt I had a problem and why my drinking sort of accelerated, it was one of the factors was that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That so, was one of the factors, my father moving abroad. And, and upon reflection, what would have been the other factors? I think uh, work, mm -hmm. um, largely work. I, I, when I think about it, I think I, I was always just an anxious person. Um, and my anxiety was driven largely by feeling that I wasn't, you know, good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't enough, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't doing life right, I was just just anxious. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the anxiety was heightened at certain points by certain things in my environment. Mm -hmm. So, what was it that when Liz said it outright to you? Um, when you came and you, you know, regaled her with tales of your weekend fun and you, you talk about it in the book that, you know, she seemed agitated and she was rolling her eyes and then she said, you know, face it, you're an alcoholic. What is it that when you were hit with that for the first time crystallized in those words that made you feel unimpressed? <laughs> um, it was denial. Mm -hmm. It was it was just plain denial. Um, I didn't think I was. I, I had, you know, associations with the words, um, so I was in denial about it. I think associations with the word again. This is how I interpret it. When you talk about associations with the word, I think again, it's not just you know thinking alcoholic. It's the mental picture that we have of what an alcoholic would look like. Somebody who's being wheeled home. Somebody who's dusty, not wearing shoes. Their clothes are hanging off of them. You know, they're just un uncombed, disheveled, not wearing a bra. You know, like really, really, just you know, uh, um, not together at all and that's why I started off asking what is a high functioning alcoholic because we are used to the highly evidently dysfunctional aspect of it that that's what we see manifested you, you talk about how your work environment was high performance little room for mistakes but also through your work you had you know had experienced the, the very fun side of life that few people can afford to experience on their own budget and part of that came with weekends, came with traveling, came with hanging out after work and having drinks and, and all of that. I'm wondering how you reconcile because it's very hard to have a, well I would imagine it's very hard to have a very fun job but that's also got no room for the mistakes that usually happen when people have fun. You talk about it in the book that, you know, there were some people who would wake up and go and review a car after, well, wake up, I say that in parenthesis, after barely sleeping um, because they'd been up drinking all night and these are the, cir the circles that you were moving in and they'd wake up the following day and they'd test driving a car to, to do a review on it. And, and I'm wondering how that allows one to function just on a day, like mentally, like one plus one giving you two because, you know, the environment allows us to have so much fun and experience all the good things. But at the same time, you've got to deliver as though 
that that doesn't exist in a way? Yeah, and I think it's it's how you 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 just get used to it. I think when you drink, you know. You, you know how to manage yourself and that's what makes you high functioning is you know what to wake up and do in the morning to you know to relieve a hangover to to relieve mind fog and to just get the job done so I knew how to do that do you think your mom had an idea that you had a challenge with alcohol yes she did so is that why she said um, there's only one bottle of wine and that's mine? Meanwhile, she was diabetic and obviously couldn't drink wine. Yeah, she did. She knew. Okay. She, she'd known. Like I said in the book, she was, her and Vereen were the two people who called me out. How did that feel? Well, it was uncomfortable. And as I described it in the book, I, you know, I, I had a fight with my mother about it and we never spoke about it again. Okay, and and how did it feel for you being in a position where your mom has known, knows, and decides to actually have a sit down with you and have this conversation? Well, I think, as I said before, I was defensive about it, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But that was my stance is that I don't have a problem because I didn't see it as a problem at the time. I didn't see it as a problem until 2016, 2017. So she had that conversation with me years earlier mm-hmm. so I, like I just shut her down <laughs> I find it interesting how you describe in in the book how you were at some point when you were living in, in your flat um, in Ilovo and you were uncomfortable taking out your your bin because you were worried the neighbors would hear the clanging of the bottles? Um, for me, it was something that I did. And of course, I didn't want people to know how much I drank. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as I, as I described it was in the book, it was something that I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was something that bothered me. You talk about your, your breaks from, from alcohol as your abstinence periods. And never um, sobriety well up until up until the the end when you decide was was that you thinking maybe you know what um, if I abstain that means I'm still in control absolutely mm-hmm. it was um, I'll take a break I'll take a reset and I will you know it it will I will fix this um, if I take a break you know i'll i'll be in control mm-hmm. of it and it won't be out of hand you you talk in the book about um how and who you were at work um how you would sometimes be moody and and snappy and you know when you were really um not in a in a good space how you I mean, there was a day you talked about when you would come in and you'd come into work and you didn't greet and you just did your work and you then left at the end of the day. When we, again, are presented with any challenges that a person is facing that manifest themselves in their behavior towards other people, we're usually exposed to the extreme uh, when somebody becomes physically, verbally, mentally, emotionally abusive. And that's when we'll ask people, so having realized that that wasn't 
an okay way to treat a person how did you make amends now in this case it's something that you mentioned in the book because you then related to how you were when you were um drinking and you were just not in a good space and how you were when you know we're in a we're in a better place how did it impact your your relationships overall with with your colleagues i know that on your last day you talk about it in the book how you know your your, your manager and we'll come back to that relationship as well the comment that he made on the day that you that you had left did you ever or rather on your last day at work did you ever feel that maybe it might not have been noticeable but to some it might have not it might have been noticeable and therefore it had damaged some of your relationships and how people related to you look i think what you we are talking about is that there was a time period where i went through um a depressive episode where mm-hmm. i walked into the office and i wasn't greeting people mm-hmm. so that was an episode of a 2 months period mm-hmm. and yes it did damage some relationships and i and i was able to explain myself and as i said in the book people were like well why didn't you say something mm-hmm. why didn't you tell us what you were going through and i wasn't able to the reason i keep asking these very pointed questions is because someone might be listening and they are in a similar situation that you know seems like you know part of who doesn't have a day when they don't really want to talk to to anyone who doesn't you, you know what i mean somebody might have a, a situation where they have been sat down by their mother and their mother has said listen there's a problem and they've also said she doesn't know what she's talking about and you know everything's fine mom's just being overprotective and i'm i'm asking these questions in, in a very pointed way because how i interpreted your book even though it's the telling of your story and of your journey it also would help somebody because we in a situation now where we live very complicated lives in between the work and managing family and managing career aspirations and managing friendships and managing all of that that any of the coping mechanisms that we develop that might involve any substance any any substance a person might not recognize that in themselves and a person might push help away and again we are used to seeing that even in the movies it's usually portrayed in the very extreme of cases and in the very extreme manifestations of it and how i, I interpreted your book was a, a book that would help somebody recognize hang on i've gone out for drinks every day this week hang on i've ordered from bottles every day this week hang on i haven't showered all week and all i've been doing is drinking and climbing back in, into bed and i i think it it's something very powerful that would help somebody who would then realize in their context that this is not just something that you would see and address when somebody is sitting on the corner and somebody is not going to work anymore you can have this problem and still look like you've got it all together yeah that's basically what the book is about mm-hmm. and why i wrote the book and why i told my story was that there's another side and face to alcoholism i was curious as to you know you, you just mentioned it now um when you went through your depressive episode and people said well why didn't you say something and and i'm curious that when you eventually did speak to your manager about what you were experiencing the offer was of a of of a of a 3 month severance package 
-hmm. And I, 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 I struggle to reconcile that because on the one end, we are we encouraged to speak about the challenges that we face and we are encouraged to speak about what's happening in our lives that would obviously, you know, the, the greater interest is how it impacts our performance at work when we're speaking about it at work. That's the context in which generally there's, a, there's an interest. And at the same time, it, it, it almost felt punitive. I don't know if yeah. I misinterpreted it. <laughs> no, it was. It was. Um, and and as, as, as I say in the book, you know, like I expressed my anger and my disbelief at it. And, you know, my psychologist had said, you know, don't tell them because this is what they're going to do. So I think there was another agenda going on and the two incidents happened to coincide and it sort of um, was like, okay, we have an out. There are chapters in, in the book that you speak about your journey with cancer. Um, I, I didn't know there was um, a correlation between estrogen levels and, and cancer. I didn't know that, you know, you, you had to have induced menopause. Well, um, there is actually a correlation between alcohol is drinking and and breast cancer. And mm -hmm. um, so I have a family history of, of breast cancer. Um, I've had two paternal aunts and one maternal aunt die of it. Um, and so it was always something I was aware of. And in 2018, I was, 2017, I, the end of 2017, I discovered a lump. In 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And they said it was estrogen sensitive, estrogen sensitive. And in order to manage it, I would have to go into menopause um, so that my body doesn't produce estrogen and um, in, in fact feed cancer cells. So, yeah. Now, I'm looking at all these blows coming from all angles. Your father moving to Namibia, the challenges at work, the, the challenges with ma managing your mental health, um, the challenges with, with managing alcohol. How does this all fit into one body and in, into one mind? And how, how do you, how, how do you? <laughs> That's the question, how, how? I drank. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I did to to cope with it. I drank. Alcohol was was what I turned to. It was my coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And how how do you cope now that you you're not drinking? Um. Well, I'm still in therapy. So, mm -hmm. and I think I've learned through experience how to identify what I'm feeling and how to. I think before I didn't. No, I didn't know how to identify how it's feeling. I feel uncomfortable and want to suppress it. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I'm more in a space where I allow myself to feel emotions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I, yes, it bothers me and then I'll talk. I'll find somebody, to, an outlet for it. Mm -hmm. um, I try to manage my anxiety as much as possible. So I do exercise and I watch my diet. Um, and, and I think, I, you know, Part of the book, as, as, and, and at the end, what I talk about is, is my journey of growth and, and, and understanding myself and then understanding how to, how to manage, you know, manage myself and my emotions and life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that I've perfected, but it's, I'm, 
a lot further down the road than I was when I was drinking. Mm. And, you know, it's something that I'm going to keep fine-tuning. I think moving to Cape Town saved my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, be- and, and lockdown saved my life because I was able to focus on my sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those were the tools that helped me in addition to the support from friends and family. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say saved my life, um, it might be taken literally that, oh my goodness, how, how bad had it gotten that, you know, you related to saving your life. Whereas saving my life could mean just saving my sanity, saving, you know, what I hold dear. What, what does saving your life mean for you in this context? Literally saving my life. Mm-hmm. The literal meaning of it saved, it, it allowed me to come back to myself. It allowed me to... To be sober, to you know, so you know, to 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 introspect, to mm-hmm. to do the hard labor, to do the hard work of of getting to know myself and of 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 trying to manage my addiction and not have my addiction manage me. And how how do you do that? How do you manage yourself? How do you manage the addiction? How do you come back to yourself? <sighs> You, a lot of therapy, a, a, a lot of journaling, a lot of introspection, a lot of mourning, a lot of sadness, a lot of anger, um, the full gamut of, of emotions and taking it day by day. Literally, you, every day you take it step by step. You say anger? Yeah, you know, anger you get angry with yourself well, how did I allow this to happen mm-hmm. why is my life like this mm-hmm. you know how did how did I allow it to get so bad why can't I be like other people and mm-hmm. drink um yeah Tando thank you uh, thank you and thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast